Well, welcome to Reckless Moves. Uh, session was a 0.2, which is uh, we're doing player interviews, which is going to be a lot of fun. I'm Michael Cremine. I'm the Dungeon Master. And I always say, because I'm a masochist, I uh, am, have a real, it's a pleasure to be with a couple players here, uh, Roger Hamilton and Matt Pearl. Roger has been playing Dungeons and Dragons, maybe as long as me. We'll talk about that. And Matt and I, uh, so I, I, uh, Matt is a player in a campaign that I've played with before. I really love his commitment to role-playing and uh, um, occasional min-maxing. <laughs> and uh, Roger is also Dungeon Master um, and a player in Season 2 of Reckless Moves. Welcome, guys. It's nice to have you guys. And uh, I'll start with asking... Just generally, what got uh, what got you into D and D? And let's start with you, Roger. What's your um, experience? What got you into it? Uh, well, I was a kind of a nerdy kid, and I uh, can't believe someone yeah, who's a nerdy kid would play D and D. Believe? I mean, I come know. on. Well, I saw the box set at the local bookstore. I was always at the bookstore as a kid. Wait, and, the red box? Yep, I still oh, have it. Oh wow! I got it right behind me in the closet. Amazing. I wish I kept all that original stuff. So uh, I was up there and I was picking out some of my books and I saw the, the red box and I was like, hmm, what's this? And so I just started reading it and I'm like, okay, this sounds really cool. I was like 11 or 12. So this is like uh, 1981, 82, yeah. something like that. And I bought it because I actually had my own business back then. So I had money all the time. And um, wait, you had so, a business at 11? Actually, started at nine. What was your business at nine years old? Uh, I it was landscaping, at, at least that's what they call it now. I called it grass cutting, yeah, but yeah, I had, mowing, mowing lawns. I had 12 customers. And wow, I took care that's of that's a lot, yeah. I took care of their lawns in the summer and everything, and in the winter, I would shovel their walks, and they didn't have to ask me to do it. I was on the schedule when it needed it in the summer. I was on a schedule. I took care of it. And in the winter, when it snowed, I would go do all of my houses. And wow. when they saw me, they would pay me. So we had set, uh, set amounts and everything for the different stuff. So I, as a kid, I always had money, even though my family was really freaking poor. I always had a couple of dollars in my pocket. And uh, I bought a lot of books as a kid. I read so many books and that's how I found Dungeons and Dragons. And I took the red box home. I sat at my desk. I read the whole thing in one night. And then I started getting those solo adventures that they had. I remember that. Yep. So I would run through the solo adventures and then I started telling my friends about it. And I was like, Hey guys, you've got to try this. And I got one guy into it and then a couple more. And then I started dungeon mastering for him. So I was a DM before I was a player in a campaign. Wow. And it just started like that. And then one of my buddies was like, Hey, I, I just bought the box so I could DM too. So we started running campaigns back and forth and we played for probably a good 10 years. And then we were kind of growing up and marriage and kids and life got in the way and we all stopped playing. And I didn't start again until like 2017, 2018 when uh, one of my grown children found my D and D stuff in the garage. And he was like, Hey, do you mind if I look through this? I was like, all right, just make sure you don't mess it up. Cause I've had that stuff for a long time. 
He said, okay. So he got into it, got some of his friends into it. Then they upgraded to uh, uh, fifth edition and he's calling me and he's like, Hey dad, come here. You, you gotta, you gotta see this. This is so much different than what you did. And they got me into it. And then the pandemic happened and we couldn't play in person anymore. So I joined the online game with Gerald and my campaign actually started sort of as a fluke. It wasn't supposed to be my campaign. There was another guy who was supposed the, to be. This up. is a Monday one that you yep. run, right? Yeah, on, Demolition uh, on, Force. On Pop Culture Cosmos. Yep. And uh, the the DM called out on the day that we were supposed to start. And no. I already talked to Gerald a couple times no, and everything. He called, so. in, he called in sick? Yeah, he was like, oh, I've got a headache. I'm going to the hospital. So you guys just have to wait until I'm ready to play. So I knew that Gerald was, was streaming and everything, and he was just starting this. So I was like, hey, Gerald, I've been on Roll20 for a while because I had already played in Mitch's games. And uh, and Mitch I, is someone else that's on Pop Culture Customs, yeah, right? he's Yeah, he's another uh, DM and player. Uh, he runs the weekends. He does Friday, Saturday, and Sunday games. Jeez, what a commitment. Yeah. So I told Gerald, well, Roll20 just gave out um, the Lost Mine of Fandover for free. Because they they collaborated oh. with Wizards of the Coast and they gave it out for free to get people to, to play. So I said, I haven't DM'd in 30 some years, but I'm willing to give it a try just so that you have something to put up today. He was like, okay. So and then they, you became the DM. Now I know how the, yeah. I know that story. Yeah, like you're so the sub. The character that Gerald is playing, he still plays today, uh, is the character that he had on day one. It was one of the pre-rolled fighter character for Lost Mine of Fandover. I do and remember. I do remember that character. Yeah, it's a while yep. ago. And he is still in the campaign uh, today. This is uh, over two years. That wow. We've been playing this. So, Maddie, same question. Uh, how did you get into D and D, and what was your introduction? Uh, so, I was also quite the nerdy child. Who would have thought? And um, I, I kind of had that unrequited nerdom. I didn't really have a group of friends who were playing D and D, and this would have been around 3.5 times and I wasn't aware of anything like a uh, solo adventure at that area. So I uh, played a lot of PC games in the fantasy area, um, all the Warcraft games, Diablo. Oh, yep, me too. All that stuff. World I, used of to, I, used to, I used to farm um, Amazon bows and sell them. I mean, uh, allegedly, <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> Amazon bows were like you could. I, I was making minimum wage on Diablo. I think it was Diablo two. Wow, farming Amazon bows and selling them on uh, um, places. <laughs> yeah, so you know, through all that, and of course, I went to college, work, all that stuff, and yep, I got settled here, and uh, um, actually, and you're you're I, a, you're a, you're the uh, one of the two outliers who are East Coast. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and actually, the first character I rolled up was in a campaign with Keegan. Ah, okay. Um, it only lasted a few sessions. It kind of dissolved the way these things tend to. Um, but then I hooked up with, uh, with Mark in the campaign you were in last year, and that was my first, like, real, you know, I think I played from 7 to 17. Yep. Campaign. So uh, to for some context, Mark was unable to play this campaign, but he uh, 
was the player Twig in season one of Reckless Moves. Mark, who was a player in that, is now a DM as well. And Matt and I are in a game where my former player is now my dungeon master. <laughs> it makes life very difficult. <laughs> no, no, not at all. So this is a, that's interesting. So you kind of came new to it, but you dove right in. One of yeah. the things I, I will say about both of you is both committed to the character. Like that's uh, as a dungeon master and Roger can attest to this, um, uh, that you really want the characters to play. You want the character to play, not the person. Does that make sense? Yep. Like I did this, you, you know, uh, you are the character. So, um, so in the campaigns you played in or maybe DM'd, what kind of a mix of RP versus combat do you guys like? Uh, start with you, uh, Roger. Um, nowadays is a lot different than, than when I was a kid. When I was a kid, it was all about combat. We were just a bunch of teenage boys sitting around and we just wanted to kill stuff. Okay, that makes sense. And it was just a band of murder hobos. No matter what campaign we were doing, it was just murder hobos. And that's that's the way we played it. That innkeeper looked to be funny. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it, it just that that was our fun. But nowadays, uh, I'm, I, I like the RP a lot. Uh, I mean, the combat's fun, but I like the RP. I like the interaction and stuff. And, and especially with some of the other games that I'm playing, too, it's a lot more heavy RP. So I like the role play stuff. I like trying to get into the characters more. Uh, when I'm developing a character, I try to think of, of everything from that character's point of view. So right. more like an, an, an actor's view of doing things now, as opposed to when I was younger and it was just like, oh, I imagine I've got this sword and I'm going to kill these things. <laughs> so I've grown up and I'm now a sophisticated nerd. <laughs> sophisticated <laughs> nerd uh so matt I, I i know you like combat because i've been there with you but um <laughs> you also seem to embrace like what uh with your characters specifically start with you matt um what's your um how do you formulate a character and your 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 voice not necessarily uh uh an accent but your the voice of your character Oh my God. It is always some unholy amalgamation of cultural references and weird aspects of my personality. Um, Fair enough. Like uh, my first character I played with you was a, uh, you know, I used the Warforged template, but it just went, just completely got away from me. But the, uh, yes, idea, <laughs> the idea was um, to heavily base it on the, uh, the, the Hebrew folklore around the golem. Right. Um, just getting added onto and yeah, it was, and you played it that way too. Yeah. And this kind of idea that, you know, since I wasn't, since I was basically just a, a construct, I would just build onto myself. So like I would reinforce my own armor instead of buying new armor, like stuff like that. Use my Smith tools. Hmm. Um, I do remember that. That was that was a really interesting character hook, and it made some from nice. So towns can be boring or really fun depending on the the player, <laughs> right? But yeah. when you're when you're, what I like about uh, both of you is you're very descriptive of what you're doing. It's not just I'm going to upgrade my armor. You actually get into what's happening, 
Mm-hmm. Right. And same thing with you, Roger. Uh, so uh, I think you're playing a, uh, a rogue and an artificer, respectively. Um, what is it about, without revealing the backstories that you guys will reveal in the campaign? Uh, Roger, what made you think of the rogue? You were playing a rogue and a, a Shatter Kai rogue. What, um, what was it about that class or um, makeup that was interesting? To you, to you um, personally, well, when when I'm developing a new character, especially if it's just going to be for a campaign and, and not like just because I just like creating characters, it's fun. Sure, but like I very rarely play a rogue, so I like to get into the things that I haven't done a whole lot. So I started looking at the rogue, and I started looking at all of the the different races and stuff, and I've never played Shadar Kai, so. I was like, well, Shadar Kai looks like it's going to fit Rogue. I mean, that's that's the perfect glove right there. So I was like, okay, I started because you have it you have and, racial yeah. benefits that could also benefit exactly. your Rogue skills. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I and mean, if you're playing Shadar Kai and you're not a Rogue, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and okay, don't don't take that one to heart because you can't oh, I, do it I, wrong. So it's we, we, all, we we absolutely <laughs> understand. We get it. Yeah. But uh yeah, that's that's it's the perfect fit for a rogue. There there's certain classes or certain races that that fit into a class because of the 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 way the build works and sometimes I like to do it that way and then sometimes I like to go the opposite. I'll I'll pick a class and I'll try to find the most out of the way uh race to go with it to make it as difficult as possible because I like the challenge. Uh, also, it, it, with this particular campaign, not as much, but um, depending on where you go, some races may be, you know, just like anywhere in our world, like there's 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 prejudices and some people might have resentments against Shadow Kai or Autonomes. Um, yeah. Speaking of which, um, what is tell me a little about your character again, not revealing backstory because that'll come out in, in game. But what, what, what are you playing and what interested you? So I'm playing an auto gnome um, armor artificer. And the idea was, see, I, I kind of like to turn some aspect of my subclass on its head when I play it. I decided to do the uh, armor artificer because I'd already done the full marshal, already done the full caster. So I'm doing a half caster and a uh, frontliner for the party. And that's just kind of how armor shook out in that. And I thought it would be kind of funny if instead of being like a tinkerer who had like an Iron Man, Tony Stark type, if I turned it on its head and basically played R2D2. Right. You're, 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 <laughs> you're, play, awesome. you're, you're playing, <laughs> you're playing the uh, autonome or the robot. <laughs> and it's one of the new spell jammer yeah. uh, races. I thought it was a really cool idea. You get a lot of yeah. fun features around, like you can use the mending cantrip to spend a hit dice during combat. Like, right that's right stuff like that you can use a cantrip to heal it's it's, <laughs> it's pretty cool so pretty I, awesome. I love that when people say so we are allowing spell jammer but spell jammer i love it like it's not new this is this is a, an old school D thing well it sounds like when you weren't playing roger that came out then uh, yeah and it yeah, was well, really exciting because i was playing a game called traveler but then i'm like oh wait now D has space right like and so i traveler was 
and still is a very popular game. Um, but once Spelljammer original came out, which was very different, like they've, they've really made it more, it, and this, this isn't a bad thing. It made it more accessible yeah, to, to people because there's less, uh, um, less restrict well there's less stuff you have to do in order to travel <laughs> right you yeah. basically have to get a ship and go <laughs> and more, and I more. I think, bubble, right everyone's now. got an air yeah. bubble it's it's powered by a magic spell you know I like think wizards of the coast is doing a good job at, at making the entire game accessible which is why there's yes. been such a boom mm-hmm. at, of the popularity of the game but like back when i was a kid i wasn't just playing dungeons and dragons that's how i started out but then me and my friends, we also played Car Wars and we played Battle. I remember Tech. that. I remember BattleTech, those little chits. Yeah. Yeah. The little the, there was like a game called Robots like that, where you have basically uh-huh. there was a hex, a hex map, and you had little tiny, literally cardboard chits that you built robots out of and you moved and it was yep. turn-based, just like it's kind of like foundry, but it was physical. <laughs> yeah. And with car wars, it was like Oh my God! You you think that like fourth edition D and D was was like crunchy with the math and stuff? Car Wars, you had to use trigonometry. Yeah, because you had seriously you you're driving your car. You had to figure out how fast your car is going, and when you want to do a turn, how much you're going to skid, and how long before you make your U turn and everything. Yeah, had to have a scientific calculator in order to play the game, but it was fun. Yeah, we used to joke that some of those Rabicus games. Mm-hmm. You had to have an abacus like sitting beside you to do or a slide rule. <laughs> yep. Um, well, that's fun. Um, so both of you guys, what inter- uh, um, we're in a campaign that is, has a unique starting point and that is um, we'll, we'll, we'll do that as a, we're doing a, a preliminary, we've already done our play testing and stuff um, with this campaign set in Eleanoria, the one, rule is that that magic has been outlawed because of an event in the past and um what uh what interested you or did that change your point of view of uh what you were playing um i'm not not saying you won't have magic it's just right in general magic is outlawed unless you have a license it it really didn't change my thoughts on on creating a character or whether i was a magic user Oh, we lost Roger. He'll be back. Yeah. Uh, Roger's internet occasionally cuts out. Um, so same question, Maddie. He'll be back. So my basic, my idea or time, I always try to tie my character into this, into the uh, story. Um, no matter how, like, you know, on our Friday campaign, I'm playing, Cur- we're playing Curse of Strahd, Grave Domain Cleric, all the way, right? Yeah. Um, so I don't want to get into backstory spoiler type situations here. Sure. That being said, the backstory is very heavily tied into the setting. Okay, fair enough. And uh, Roger, so uh, you said it didn't really, you're, you you cut out a little bit on your Yeah, internet. yeah. Um, you said it didn't really come into any... Um, yeah, it, it didn't really affect uh, how I decided to create the character or what character I created, because I like to jump into each campaign with fresh eyes. And you told us a little bit about it, just enough to, to pique the interest. But I was like, magic is outlawed. I don't mind being an outlaw. So if that's <laughs> what it go. has to be, then that's what it has to be. Then I, go with it. So your yeah. your character's name is Ridley Quinn. 
Yep. Um, which is, I, I think, a very cool rogue name. Um, and uh, Matt, you're RKM or Rockham. Rock <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I think, I think the, the, the uh, magistrates may record it as RKM, but whatever the characters call you in game. Um, and so I find it fascinating. This is a very unique uh, character makeup so far. We have two artificers of totally different types and totally different play styles. We've got a rogue. We've got a plasmoid warlock, <laughs> which is incredible. Um, I can't wait and for then that. An, an air Genasi barbarian. And so, and then the, uh, the sixth player is a, uh, I'll just, I won't reveal yet because it'll be in the interview next week, but a, uh, a, a new character that will complement all of the rest. Nice. Um, so it's going to be, it's a pretty, it's a pretty unique party. So having that, that being said, um, what, uh, what are you interested in the campaign or what are you nervous about in the campaign? Like what, what, in, what, what are you looking forward to? Or is there anything that you're curious um, or nervous about? I'm looking forward to the whole spell jammer aspect. And I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm putting some of that into my campaign. Uh, I can't give details because you'll find out tomorrow, Michael. <laughs> um, we're but, recording this Sunday night, right? Yeah. <laughs> so so I, I haven't I haven't played Spelljammer because, like you said, that came out after I, I had stopped playing. So I've never played Spelljammer, but I have the books and everything. Uh, one of my other players was generous enough to to buy it for the group. Oh, and nice! Put it into my roll twenty. That was James. Um, and Mitch was mad because James beat him to it. <laughs> well, that's but, a, that's uh, a nice problem to have, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it, it really interested me. I, I like the whole idea of being able to travel different planes and uh, stuff like that without having to use plane shift or something like that. There's there's right. not some specific magic spell that only this class has. Now anybody can jump on a spell jammer ship and sail to another plane of existence. Right. It's a uh... It does open up a lot of potential cross realm ideas. Like, mm -hmm. why couldn't you go to Abernus or or Greyhawk or the for Forgotten Realms or um, a completely new world? Which was right. I, I I've got all these possibilities, and I can tell you that um, Spelljammer is awesome. It also makes you do a lot of work as a DM because you have to have. I have to have. Like one of the things uh, before we even get into that in the land of, so we talk about technology and one of the, uh, for those that are watching this, you can go to recklessmoves.com and by the way, and see the actual characters that uh, Roger and, and Matt are playing um, on uh, our website. You can go under the players and see their, um, their bios and their look at their character sheets. Um, uh, which we make on D&D Beyond. I think it's really cool that you guys put so much time into and thought into what you're doing. Um, now, we're using Foundry um, for our virtual tabletop. And thank you guys for doing the, the play tests in advance. We've got some really cool animations and, and game play set up. Um, no, it's so, visually gorgeous. Yeah, I love what you've done with it. Well, thank you. Uh, it's not what I, yeah, it's what, what luckily what found we, we're pushing the boundaries of foundry, which I think is great. Um, I think it's a great virtual tabletop. Uh, who knows what it'll be in a couple of years, right? There's right. technology changes so much, but we're using it for this campaign. Um, 
you've DM before, uh, Matt, you have not DM before, correct? Correct. Well, I did a one shot. So one of the things, uh, how do you, um, how do you get into your character? Like for the actual gameplay? Uh, into We've like, got all these distractions in life. Like, how do you, I'm talking about like, how do you, for, for me, I do prep, like for every NPC that I, I don't even remember reckless moves were probably like 50. Um, I kind of do it on the fly with the NPCs and stuff, unless it's something specific. Like in my campaign, we've got General G'day, right, uh, who has become like a major character in in the in the campaign and oh oh, i meant how you get into your character oh yeah yeah like as a player yeah as a player um i put a lot of thought into it i mean i i uh, i spent a lot of hours laying in bed trying to get to sleep thinking about my characters and (laughs) and what what they're going to do in different situations and and uh, especially trying to find a voice for me, one of the hardest things is trying to find a voice for the character. And I don't mean just, just what <laughs> accent to do or anything, but the, the actual character's the personality. The, yeah, the, the personality the, and the tone, right? That's exactly. Consider the voice. Yep. And, and, but then there is still what actual voice. I mean, is my character going to be, oh, so I'm going to talk like this now for the entire campaign. You, that's a commitment. I was, oh my god, that's honest, a lot. I had to talk myself out of doing a voice like that for RKM just because I'm like, I'm gonna be essentially you, you, I know you're attempting to do Marvin the Martian, years. right? No, you were in a P32 Marvin I was planning on doing something more along the lines of Gur from Invaders in. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> so you guys dodged a bullet on that one. I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I tell you, like, there's there's some out you do whatever you want with your character, but there was one guy who I knew he would regret the voice as suit. I was another campaign. He did this voice, and it was like a southern bell. And it was by the fourth week, it's like, dude, I got to kill my character. <laughs> well, it, I'm like, you, you know, started it. <laughs> my uh, kind of um, solution for accent fatigue is. You know, you can role play by quoting and you can role play it by describing. Yes. And, and Michael, you've probably noticed this in the campaign because I lay on a thick accent for my cleric. Right. And sometimes I don't want to do the accent. So I just describe what he says. Right. Instead. All right. So instead of saying, well, I'm going to do this. And it, then it's, well, so Ridley's going to do this now. Exactly. Yeah. Ridley says this, and it makes it a lot easier. Yeah, it, it definitely takes away, like like you said, the the uh, the. It, it's hard. It's a hard balance as a player it. because there's I I am talking to other players as me, but occasionally you have to do like third party descriptor. Mm-hmm. Right. Occasionally, like I do a lot of that for you guys. Like what I try to shorten combat mechanics, but I enjoy combat descriptions. Right. Not long ones, but you know, I whack him with my sword, or I reach back and I, with a, a demonic scream, I try to thrust it through his chest, right under the gap between the breastplate and the shoulder. Like those are two actions, 
one of which, you know, like I know what you're trying to do and it sounds, you know, so I prefer descriptive combat and I, I tend to reward that more than, you know, um, I'm going to hit him with my, my sword. Yeah. As, like, as Robbie calls it, you're, you're painting. Yes. You paint the scene. And I, I love that, that way of, of talking about it. We were, we were actually discussing that today after our game and we had a new player in vampires of Vitae today. We started a, a little mini campaign and that's a uh, Rob Ross's uh, yep. campaign. He DMS and I now know that Roger's a player. On, <laughs> yep. And that's on Sundays. <laughs> and, um, uh, so one of our, our players from vampires of Vitae, uh, started because we sort of lost one of our regular players for a couple of months. So we're doing this little mini campaign and Sean has never played vampires before. And I told him, I said, it's a little scary at first because I was in the same boat. I had never played it before I started playing with, with them in this campaign. But um, at, at the end of it, he was like, okay, so yeah, I, I see how it works. It's, it's not as scary now. I was like, you know, Robbie likes to paint. And basically he, he likes when, when we describe things and it's like, we're the tubes of paint and we squirt onto the palette and he just paints with it. So the more we can put on the palette for him, the better the picture he can paint. You just describe why I like long backstories. Like <laughs> the way you describe it, like the more you give me in backstory, you give me meat and I will eat. Yep. Um, and, and so those will have conflicts or payoffs months from now, you, you know, a year from now. But, but the more that's in a backstory for a player, the more I can... Um, like in, in your term, paint. So, Maddie, um, with uh, your experience with with D and D, what um, what 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 are the games do you, have you do you play? Like um, tabletop wise, not much. I actually don't play any other tabletop systems right now. Um, video game wise, I've played games that kind of try to emulate the tabletop systems. Really? Um, like, like what? I, like, um, Pillars of Eternity, they built a, a whole system based off mm. 3.5. Right. Um, I've played um, both of the uh, Alcat Pathfinder games. Oh, okay. Um, Wrath of the Righteous is a ton of fun, by the way. Um, is that a PC or a, pl or a platform game? It's on, uh, I think it's on everything now. Okay. Um, I play it on PC. I'm, I'm mostly a, a PC Master Race type. Uh, when it comes to video games, my wife likes uh, consoles. Um, but yeah, just that, the Divinity series. I'm really excited for Baldur Gate, Baldur's Gate 3 coming out at some point next year. Oh, yeah. That, but, that, that was a fun game. <laughs> Two was but D&D &D wise, it's 5e all the way. Or tabletop wise. Right. And 5e until they figure out whatever one is. Like that's going to be a couple years from now anyway. So yeah. um, one thing, um, you know, what, what, tell me something that uh, we don't know about you. I, I put into last time I did an interview that I, I do music, but I also like in my day job, I've been super lucky to, I've got six patents on some really weird things. Nice. <laughs> um, and uh, something I've worked on is in every Kroger store. Like it's kind of, um, it's one of those things people don't know about me. Also, <laughs> that my company was named for my favorite coffee drink, which is a quad shot. <laughs> nice. 
Uh, so I, don't, I can't drink it all the time, but I, I am coffee. Your coffee drink is more coffee, basically. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I, I cut down a lot. I drink less than a pot a day now. See, I drink one cup of coffee in the morning, but it's a quart mason jar of iced coffee. <laughs> I drink one coffee. It's this big. <laughs> it's a whole pot, but <laughs> it's a quart. A quart of coffee is, but I only have one. <laughs> That's awesome. No, uh, I, I am very, my, um, I have a very weird set of hobbies. Like I game. I have gotten into boxing the last couple of years. Nice. And, That's great exercise. Holy cow. Oh, it's exhausting. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, and my other big one right now is actually bartending at home. Oh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Got, like, got, got into specialty drinks, huh? Well, tell you what, beginning of COVID. Okay, so so you go to see what your wife and like try this. <laughs> well, I was literally like doom scrolling on my phone and going through a bottle of whiskey every week, and I'm like, this isn't sustainable. So I like started the cocktail thing to drink less. Ah, and it worked. That's nice, yeah, because you have to put effort into it. I get it. Yeah, it's it's doing things with intentionality. Interesting. That's a that's a pretty apt description of that uh, that hobby. Yeah. So. Nice. What about you, Roger? Um, I don't know. I've had more jobs than most people have had years. And uh, I used to own a martial arts school. Oh, is that I was, right? I was a martial arts instructor for over 20 years. Wow. I did not know that. And uh, what kind of martial arts? What were you instructing? It, it was, uh, we called it karate. Uh, it was a lot of American Kempo, but it was a okay. mixed martial art. Uh, the, the instructor that I had, um i i taught his system and it was uh american kempo uh there was some jujitsu some taekwondo uh aikido wow uh it was it was a lot of different things mixed in there and and now also, it's a huge billion dollar industry yeah and it was it was also street smarts so i taught out of a uh a local recreation center and wasn't a highfalutin kind of a neighborhood or anything. So I kept my prices low. There was no contracts. Uh, I gave huge discounts for families because that's how I got into it. My, my son wanted to do it when he was like six or seven. So we could put him into it. We're sitting there watching every night or, or a couple nights a week as he's doing the classes. And then we go home and we're like, okay, you need to practice. I don't remember. So I'm like, okay, so you do this and this and this and this. And I'm like, well, shit, I already know this stuff. I can already get a belt advancement. So we talked to the instructor and he's like, yeah, I do this, this great discount for families. So me and my wife and my other son started doing it. Then my wife got pregnant with our, our third kid and she had to sit and watch while I kept advancing. And she's like, well, I don't like that you're advancing and I'm not. So I kept learning, but I stopped taking the belt tests. So eventually it got to the point to where I was doing more, more teaching than learning. And, and then once I took over the school, uh, I would hire my, my old instructor to come down and teach me. So I would teach my class and he would be there with me. And then he would stay for an extra 45 minutes and he would teach me. So I was, 
basically a second degree black belt, but never did a belt test beyond blue belt in my school. So I had like three more belts to go for with the, the extra level, but I was teaching second degree black belt. Oh, got it. And did you learn, my, did you learn that, that some of that stuff in the military or was it after? Uh, most of it was after, uh, actually I, I had a, a deal worked out with my instructor. He found out that, that I had learned some things in the military that he wanted to learn. And he was actually a military instructor in the air force. Oh. He taught, he taught martial arts to pilots and stuff in the air force, but I had one specific skill set, and I'm not allowed to talk about what all that was, but I had one specific <laughs> skill set that he wanted to know. So we worked out a deal. I don't want to know, actually. <laughs> he gave me extra discounts and I would stay after class and I would teach him. Wow. And he went on to get a certificate in that. And then he started teaching other classes, uh, like specialty classes, and was making extra money on the side with it. So I was like, well, that's cool. I mean, he's a friend of mine and all. I've lost touch with him now because I think he had a stroke. I don't even know if he's still alive. Uh, it's, it's been 12, 13 years since I've heard from him. Mm. But I actually, I'm still in touch with a lot of my students wow. who are now grown and have families of their own and everything. But the school is gone from that, from that rec center. And I, I try to encourage everybody I know, I'm like, especially if you have a daughter, especially little girls, put them in martial arts, make them do it, make them learn it, make them get into at least a medium so, high. Some, some self-defense, right? Yes. Uh, but I, we also taught street smarts in my school and, and like me and my instructor, we're always talking about bar fights and stuff like that and, and, and little tricks and stuff. Cause I've also been a bouncer. And I've done security and I've done a lot of things that, that were physical and, and in that, that realm and uh, being a bouncer in a strip club in Baltimore, you got to be able to handle yourself. So. <laughs> I can't even imagine Baltimore is a rough town, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially down there in Baltimore streets. So. I've never been a bouncer. I've been bounced, but that's a different story. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, so, so that's fascinating. I uh, didn't know that martial arts background. Um, Maddie, so for the uh, the game that we're coming up with um, and how you're playing RKM, um, what uh, do you have? Do you know any of the of the other players or or not? Sorry, do you know? Do you know the other? Are you going into the campaign where you know any of the other people? Or are you oh, arriving? The yeah, the characters. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> I, I was, you I was don't know on. anyone okay great i just yeah. wonder because uh depending on what a couple of the players said they might have no because you're starting at third level yes. and assuming you've done some things on your own separately i it's it's up to every player whether they know anyone or not but i think in your particular situation you probably don't know anyone else right that was my that was my, my is plan. that the same thing with you roger with uh with ridley as far as i know I don't know anybody. I haven't even really talked to anybody else about characters, even, even Robbie and Melinda. And, and I see them a couple times a week. Uh, we haven't really discussed our reckless moves characters together. Um, so I like that actually, as, as far as I know, no, uh, Ridley is, is <laughs> going to be a stranger coming into a strange land. 
And I purposely left, like, I, I like your description. I left the description of what's happening enough to paint a picture of the, the prelude, but not hopefully enough to reveal anything beyond that. Right. Um, matter of fact, I am uh, only going to share the, the map of Alenoria with the players uh, sometime later this week. <laughs> they, have, they don't even know what the land looks like yet. So, guys, it's, it's been fun. Anything else you want to add? Uh, before we uh, uh, wrap, uh, just make sure you check out Pop Culture Cosmos and, of course, Reckless Moves. Yeah, and Vampires and Vitae. We're we're working on something on the outside that's going to be a little bigger, but it, it's going to be a kind of a down the road thing. But keep checking back because we're we're going to be doing some big things coming up. That's right. Yeah, our game is going to be Sunday night six to nine. Uh, live stream we're live streaming to twitch and then uh, uh publishing to everywhere else and uh the podcast can be found in all of the the audio podcast will be distributed uh as well sunday night matter of fact i'll i'll publish this out as soon as we're done here and i'm i'm super excited to have you guys along i think uh having played in your game roger and having also um you turning around one thing that's a challenge for some people is to forget what they know Right. Yes. So you that's one thing is uh I think you both been very good at is you you realize I don't know what I don't know. And that's a that's a compliment, I hope, because yeah. you're both into the into the moment um without metagaming, which is uh um fun. It's hard for a DM too. I think it is harder for a DM yeah. to do that. But I I basically try to throw out everything I know and only know what my character knows. Well, you, uh, at, at that moment well you know about like some of the weird shenanigans i try to pull off with the rules so <laughs> i don't know how much that counts towards, <laughs> towards that. well here's the thing I, <laughs> I i have a couple philosophies and you guys will learn this as we go because um actually neither of you have played in a game that i have dm'd a couple other players have um the well you've done playtest stuff so you understand yeah, right. my approach but it's uh it's really fun for me to see a player experience something for the first time. It's mm. it's really, really fun. And I hope it I hope that you get uh into it uh as much as you are in these other games. So um uh, Matt, I look forward to RKM or Rockham and Roger, I really look forward to Ridley. Um and again. I'm Michael Cremeen. I'm the Dungeon Master, and this is uh, this is our second episode of the Player Interviews. We got uh, one more to do, and then our campaign starts October 9th at 6 p.m. Pacific time. Um, and I'm so excited to get this going. Thank you guys so much, and I will see you in the papers. Thanks. All right. <laughs> Take care. <laughs>